Welcome to episode number 17 of the podcast series. Do you ever find an Instagram account, immediately fall in love and question how in the world they make everything look so damn good? Yep, you're with me. Okay, well, let me tell you this. Today's guest is one of those people for me. I first discovered Natalie's work through a mutual friend and immediately fell in love with her moody and distinctive photography, but also really clear branding. If you follow her on Instagram, you're going to know exactly what I mean. And in today's episode, I sat down with Natalie Jennings. She's an adventurous wedding and elopement photographer, London and travel blogger, and also a YouTuber. Alongside all of those passions, she's a lover of pink and Disney and genuinely an incredibly sweet person. In this episode, we talked about her story and what she's learned along the way, how she's dealt with finding a niche as a photographer, what it's looked like to balance multiple brands as a multi-passionate person, and we even talked about that big old thing we all hate, the Instagram algorithm. Alongside also giving out some great advice for fellow photographers, Natalie was just so honest and open about what it really looks like to pursue a creative career. I can't wait to share this episode with you, so keep on listening to dive into our conversation. Welcome to Starting the Conversation. If we haven't met before, my name's Alice and I'm a digital marketing coach based in the UK. It basically means that I work one-on-one with entrepreneurs and help them to develop effective and sustainable online strategies. I'm going to be real, when I first started my business, Google was my go-to for all my questions and I was incredibly isolated. A job which I once loved was soon making me pretty miserable and I realised that something needed to change. You see, I truly believe that when we create community with fellow entrepreneurs and keep it real about what we're going through, being self-employed becomes far more fulfilling. So consider this podcast your go-to place for a good old mix of honesty and expertise. Listen in on open conversations with likewise women, where we'll discover their stories and also the learning curves which has got their business to where it is today. Also join me for solo episodes where I'll unpack a digital marketing or business topic, hopefully leaving you with some expertise that you can apply to your business right away. So now that you're up to date on who I am and what this podcast is about, let's dive into today's conversation. For people who haven't met you before, tell us a bit more about you and what you do and yeah, tell us more. Awesome. So I have, um, I do photography as a business. Um, I've got a specifically more like wedding photography business where, um, yeah, I shoot weddings and it's more like adventurous and um, kind of like intimate. I really focus on emotions. And then the other side is, which is very different from wedding photography because my wedding photography is quite like moody um, and like a little bit darker feed. Um, and my other one is I have a very pink and very bright, um, like personal blog where I do lifestyle and fashion and London and travel and a bit of everything really. So yeah. Yeah. It's such a multi-passionate business for you, isn't it? There's so many kind of different working elements of ways that you run your businesses. And I'd love to kind of talk about all of them today, but I think there's something that'll be really valuable to start with for people that are listening. And tell us more about your photography business, because obviously maybe that's, would you say, like the core of what you do? So what was that story like for you becoming a freelance photographer? Okay, I'll just, I'll try and cut this short (laughs) as 
as I can, but okay. So basically how it started was when I was 15, I started doing, um, photography. Um, I'm completely self-taught. I've never done any kind of like course for it, but, um, yeah. So I started shooting when I was 15. I was doing a lot of like um, portraits of like my friends and, um, my friends would do portraits of me, et cetera, on my camera. And then, um, and then I actually really wanted to get a better camera because I started my blog back in like 2015. I've done YouTube for quite a while. Um, but I started my blog and then I was kind of like, ah, I really want to kind of like, I don't know. I really wanted a better camera. I wanted better quality, everything. And I had done only like two paid like photography jobs where I wasn't even really thinking about it. I was just kind of like, oh, this is a hobby for me. I enjoy it. Um, got paid a couple times, which is great, but that's about it until I got engaged. And then um, I started looking at wedding photos to find out what is it I wanted for our wedding. Um, and I fell absolutely in love with them. They're like so beautiful. And then I was kind of like, okay, I really want to up my blog game. Um, but I can't really justify buying. And I was a student at the time as well. So I was kind of like, I, I can't really justify buying like thousands worth of a new camera. Uh, so then I was like, I told my then fiance, I was like, Nathan, um, how about this? What if I buy a camera, do your sister's wedding, and then I just do weddings from then on? And because her wedding was three weeks away, and I just I had the spur of the moment like idea, and that's how I started my business, which is great. It's exactly what I did. We got the camera the day before the wedding, um, and I shot the wedding, and it was amazing, and yeah, and then I found um. India Earl, who is my absolute favorite photographer ever. And I found her work and I was just um, like my whole business changed completely. It was like just a couple months later because I only shot that wedding. And because I saw that she really captured emotions and because I was going to go for the more bright feel, bright and airy. Um, and I saw how she captured emotions in such a different way than I've ever seen anybody capture that I was kind of like, I need to rethink this, how I'm going to do my weddings and stuff like that. So that's how I got into the dark and more like moody, but really capturing those emotions kind of vibe. Um, and yeah. That's incredible. I love that your story literally began with buying a camera the day before the first wedding you shot. And you were just like, I can do this. I don't need a qualification. I'm going to self-qualify myself. Yeah, pretty much. That's exactly how it happened. <laughs> and then from that point, so when you finished school, have you been full-time ever since? Was there any, was it just an instant progression for you? So, um, so we got, so I had my first wedding. It was three months before my own wedding. Then we went on honeymoon and then I did two more weddings. And, um, and it, and obviously I was in summertime by this time at uni. Cause I was at, I was doing, I was in my second year going into my third. So I was at like during my summer break and my husband had convinced me to quit my other job at Hollister. <laughs> um, and he was like, I think you should focus on photography full time while, especially during the summer. And obviously that was really hard financially, but, um, it really set me up for the rest of my business because I did a lot of shoots during that time. And, um, and it only took me like, and then I started booking people because people started seeing my, like I did a lot of like engagement shoots at that time. And I had done some weddings. I think I, well, obviously I'd only done the three, but, um, people started seeing my work and they were like, Oh, you know, I'm really interested in this. I gave away, 
um, some engagement shoots. And yeah, so it only took me six months to go full time from that. And um, I was full time while I was at uni, which was that's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) In your third year as well, that must have been quite the balancing act of the two two things. Yeah, I mean, I'm so thankful that I didn't, I had, I was studying music performance and production. So it was like nowhere near how much work someone like a psychology student or a medical student would have, you know? So to me, it was, it was like totally fine compared to that. Um, but obviously it was still a bit of a balancing act considering I was doing both. (laughs) Yeah. I like how great that ever since from leaving school, it's just been a full-time thing for you. And that's kind of done that. And I wonder if part of that is because of how kind of, like you said, you're inspired by someone who made you think, yeah, this is the style I want to do. And I think people can notice your photography so easily when they see it next to someone else's because it's so specific in the style and the mood and the way it is. Is that something that you think has been really beneficial for you in your business? If you were to start over, is that something you would have still done of being so intentional about your style and the mood and the way you photograph? Uh, first of all, thank you. <laughs> that's okay. That's really that's really point of view. Um, secondly, what I would have done is, if if I could go back now, um, I would have been a lot more intentional. I probably would have done exactly the same things, but I think there are some instances where I'm kind of like, I wish I could have been slightly more intentional. About what I I really wanted to do but I think at the time I was still figuring it out because what I really love doing is um like elopements adventurous weddings like if you're getting married on the top of a mountain or by the sea like I am in you know but at the time I was photographing a lot of like beautiful places in London but it was very much like kind of like London based um so if at that time, I would have like thought about it a little bit more. I probably would have wanted to try to um, go out a little bit more just to really hone in on the adventure side of things. But to be honest, otherwise, I wouldn't really have changed anything um, because it's something that like obviously I'm learning now and I'm like trying to book more shoots outside of London and that kind of thing. But to be honest, otherwise I wouldn't have really done anything different because I I really was inspired by India Earl and being like, you know what, like I'm gonna take elements of this, the elements that I appreciate and um, what I want to give back to people is those memories, you know, because basically the only thing you keep from your wedding day, besides maybe like your dress or something like that, uh, the only way you keep your memories is through photographs and maybe even through video as well, obviously. But yeah, so. Yeah, and I guess talking about kind of the wedding photographer market and pretty much any service-based business, it's pretty much a saturated market, right? There's so much out there that people can go for. And when you're offering a service, I think there's sometimes this temptation to offer everything to everyone. And I can imagine how that might be for you within photography of every single type of wedding and every single type of photo is something that you would do. But obviously when you look at your work, you're very specific about the type of weddings you photograph, the type of couples. You can tell there's this real theme of like, oh, they're like, I can't even really word it, but if people saw your photos, they got it of like, it's such a niche. What has that been like for you? Because obviously there might be times when you, I don't know, turn work down because it doesn't feel like it's the right fit for your style. Yeah, tell us more. I'd be really interested. Um, So that's actually really funny that you say that. I haven't really had um, 
like I haven't really been able to turn much work down, but obviously you market what you want to attract. So anything that I haven't really enjoyed doing, um, just like with any job, you'll always have sometimes when it's a little bit mundane and not everyone's life is perfect, no matter what their Instagram feed might say. Um, so I have had like a lot of weddings and like photo shoots that I've done that I particularly don't enjoy um, at all. But that's why I shoot, I make it a point to shoot what I want to shoot, shooting for what I like love doing so that I can attract more of the couples who, who want that, if that makes sense. I want to make it a niche. I want people to see my work and be not like thinking like, oh, um, I don't know, like I want them to think, oh my gosh, that is the most beautiful thing. That is the most beautiful scenery. I am willing to do pretty much anything to get similar shots of me and my other half. Um, so I just really want people to be like, I love the emotions. I love the scenery. And this is what I've seen for us. So that's why I market in that sense. But that doesn't mean that I have been able to turn down much work. Um, I obviously now being in it like two years, there's sometimes where I do have to turn down work and sometimes it really doesn't fit and I'm starting to, I'm obviously learning that now, but I think it just goes along and at the same time, um, yeah, I mean, people are people and sometimes first impressions are actually, like I think when you, like I've had first impressions of people and been like, oh, I don't know if I'm gonna enjoy this and then they're like amazing. So um, that's another thing that I, I've had to learn to definitely not judge a book by its cover. Yeah, and I think it was so good that you just like immediately acknowledge like we all wish we lived in a world where we turned down all the clients that weren't perfect for us. But in reality, running a business doesn't quite look like that, does it? It's <laughs> <laughs> very true. So when you talk about kind of how you've really kind of honed in on your niche, that idea of you know, like adventurous weddings and elopements and kind of really beautiful photography and nature and stuff like that what did finding that niche look like for you was it a natural process I'm just wondering if someone's listening and they're thinking I'm a photographer I'd love to for people to look at my photos and think I get that niche I get what they're doing talk mm -hmm. us more of through kind of that process for you of finding what your niche was I think um so I started uh so I knew that India Earl had like she she was a part of this um like photography group called Look Like Film, and I joined on to it because it was a lot of similar photographers um, to the style that I really liked, and I was really inspired by their work a lot. Most of them are American photographers, um, and I think I just, it, it was a process of like, I knew straight away that it was what I wanted to do, but I think really honing in on that mm -hmm. has taken a bit of a, a while um, because the personalities that I really love to shoot are people who are um, kind of not like shy with each other. They're happy to be around the camera because that's why you're having photos taken, you know. <laughs> um, people who are kind of willing to to do whatever it takes to get the shot. Those are the kind of people that I absolutely love working with because they'll trust my vision. They'll trust what um, what I might say. Hey, this might sound really really ridiculous but I think this is going to look amazing and they'll trust me on that and I like really collaborating and working with people who yeah who are like really like to I really appreciate photos you know because I'm not I'm I don't really want to be a photographer just to 
just to snap photos of the day. I'm not going to be their perfect fit if that's what they're looking for. There's plenty of photographers for that, um, which is amazing, but I'm just not one of those people. I want to give them an experience. And throughout the time I've been a photographer, it's just been honing in on that and being like, okay, so what is it? Where do I want to be next? And I always knew that one thing that I really admired was capturing emotions. And that's like the main thing, even if it's not the most like epic scenery, that is the one thing I always focus on because those are the memories that you'll remember, not the posed staged photos. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was through seeing a lot more photographers and what I was inspired by and being like, wow, this is like whatever made my heart come alive. That was where I was like, you know what, that's what I'm, that's what I want to do. And I'd say as well, if there's anybody that is looking into getting into a niche, like the only way you get into a niche is by only doing that. Like that doesn't mean that I don't do family shoots and stuff. I do occasionally do them. I do occasionally do portraits as well, but I don't market for that. I only market for weddings. Um, and yeah. Yeah, and I love what you said in there of like, find what it is that just makes you come alive and that's your niche. Like it's not this huge like thinking process. It's almost such a feeling based thing, isn't it? Of like, what would make me wake up in the morning and think, yes, I want to do this. Like, yes, that makes me come alive. Um, And when you mentioned that, it really made me laugh about those like awkward pose shoots and like, it's actually the beautiful pictures that we love are those really kind of like authentic moments and the emotions. Any like quick tips for photographers who want to get those moments? Because I think... I've had a few chats with photographers before and it's always hilarious actually how they make those laughs or those moments. You always think they kind of happen normally, but often the photographer puts so much work into kind of making that an environment like that, if that makes sense. I feel like that was really rambly. (laughs) Oh no, that totally makes sense. Um, Because that's like sometimes a lot, I know that a lot of photographers struggle with that and I struggled with that in the beginning as well. But I also think it comes down to like, Sometimes it comes down to personality as well. Like I'm very bubbly. I'm really out there. So I am happy to make the most stupid jokes ever. (laughs) Um, And um, obviously, like, I guess it's just being yourself with them and not making them feel uncomfortable. Like first off, immediately what I tell them is like, hey, you're probably kind of nervous right now. And they're like, yes. (laughs) It's like it kind of like immediately like – like breaks the ice, you know, and they're kind of like, Oh, thank God. Like she knows that I'm nervous, you know, Yeah. And tell them, Hey, this isn't, I'm not going to try and pose you. I'm not going to try and make this kind of like staged. I want you guys to be with each other. I want you to, to take the direction. And instead of like, um, telling them, put your hand here. Like, I will say that maybe with like, you know, like, Hey, I think it'll look a little bit nicer if your hand goes there or whatever like that. But I'm not going to just do that. I'm actually going to give them an exercise to do. So my favorite ones um, is uh, whisper your favorite vegetables in your second voice. (laughs) And then immediately they laugh. And and it's like, yes, that's the reaction I'm going for. Um, But then it's nice because then they can actually just kind of be with each other and start having a little bit of a laugh together. And they'll be a lot more comfortable rather than being like, oh, is my face, do I have a double chin? I don't know how my face looks. Do I look weird? You know, they're not going to be thinking about that when they're actually just being with each other. So I always just encourage the couples to just, yeah, be with each other. Yeah, and the way that you say that, I love it because it seems like such a proactive thing that photographers can do as opposed to that thing of like, oh, well, the person wasn't as natural as they should have been or they weren't relaxed, but actually it's your job as a photographer to help them through that process because it's like terrifying getting your picture taken, isn't it? I... (laughs) Totally. And I'd say even like, cause I know some shy photographers that like 
do absolutely insanely amazing. Um, you don't have to be bubbly like me or mm -hmm. outgoing or whatever, like you can. Um, it's just vibing with the couple. It's just making sure that they know that they're not on their own, that they're not expected to have the perfect shot right away. Like you're working together and not, you know, by yourself. So that's why um, I suggest the exercises and that kind of thing, because pretty much anybody um, can do, yeah, can do great at it. <laughs> yeah, and I can imagine often, correct me if I'm wrong, it's the like the girl or the female that like books the shoot and wants the pics and the guy's probably just a bit there like this is the worst thing ever <laughs> yep yep exactly um, <laughs> guys always tend to like take a little while to warm up i say there there have been the occasional guys though that are really into it and i'm like yes this is what i was looking for <laughs> that's the best thing it must be you're just like this is insane every guy needs to love pics this much <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. So like even kind of shifting off of talking about photography, when you introduce yourself, like there's so much going on what you do. You're a Instagrammer, you're a YouTuber, you're a photographer, and you're a blogger. Did I make that up or is that true? Yeah. No, no, yeah. Great. So so many aspects of your business. And like you said, there's a real different kind of niche and mood in the different sides of what you do. So talk to us more about that. What made you decide to hit such different kind of like I don't really know what the word is. Like ideal clients and moods within the different content that you put out there. So I keep them very uh, very separate from each other. Um, like obviously I'll link myself in like on the on each other's Instagram and et cetera and on my website. But um, but obviously I market each one with the specific um, thing. Like I'm not going to post a wedding photography like picture on my feed on my other Instagram, although I will put it in my stories sometimes just to get people to come over to the Natalie J photography, mm -hmm. but it just doesn't go with my feed. Um, so I'd say like, I am not just like everybody else. We're not just like, we don't, we don't love just one thing, um, all the time. Like don't like it when people, like, you know, when people ask you, what do you, what do you do? And that kind of defines who you are, essentially. Yeah. And I think it does define who you are. Like I, and it's kind of how I've taken my work. I don't think that I need to be defined just as the wedding photographer who only shoots moody stuff. Like I love Disney, and I <laughs> love pink. I love small fluffy dogs, and so I'm gonna post that all over my other Instagram feed. Um, so that people know, and like, and it's cool because then people can see that there's two sides of me that I I love a lot of things that I'm like, um, yeah, and it's really, it, it is really interesting because you'd think that I would stick to just like dark or just like bright, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm a mix of things. That's how God created me. So I'm kind of like, yeah, so I keep them very separate from each other. Um, but I've, I'm actually still working on introducing myself. Like people ask me, what do you do? And I'm kind of like... I say wedding photographer and then I'm like, and a blogger. And then I, so I'm just kind of like narrowing it down to just photographer. And then they'll ask what kind, and then I'll kind of, you know, <laughs> go into it a little bit more. <laughs> uh -huh. And I love that you acknowledged in there of like, sometimes I think we can feel like we have to encompass absolutely everything we're about and who we are in one space or in one type of content or in one platform. But actually the, the beauty of the digital world is we have the ability to tell these different stories wherever we want them to be and whatever we want them to be. And I love that you've kind of created these two different narratives for yourself, both which are true, but both which are so different from each other and have such a different kind of emotional reaction when you engage with it, which I think uh, is really fun. You. Yeah. <laughs> if people are like, I feel like it probably doesn't make sense if people are listening, but you have these two accounts, right? So you have your photography account, which is 
your like moody adventurous photography and then you have like the most pink account I've ever seen of like <laughs> everything pink and Disney and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty what you summed it up there for you. Perfect. So talking about this kind of two pretty stark different sides of your kind of brand, I guess, if we're going to use that word, how do you balance the two? How do you find the balance between putting time into both sides of the business and both of those niches and both of those kind of elements that you're working on and yeah. Yeah, I, I actually really kind of struggle with that and occasionally I still do considering it's coming on to wedding season and I'm doing seven or eight weddings alone in August. So I'm kind of like, oh, no way. <laughs> but, um, but I've realized that I put so much pressure on myself to do like, um, to be, to have something specifically at, a, at the specific break time, like, you know, I must edit a wedding within a week or something like that, which really is me putting on pressure on myself and I don't really need to do that. So what I've learned is to actually create a schedule that, um, that really allows for both, um, essentially. So I kind of have figured out the best days to kind of post on Instagram, to post on YouTube and et cetera. Um, for the blogger side of me. Um, so, and then that would be um, like Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, um, not really much on the weekends, um, maybe like Sundays, et cetera. But um, there, there will be like two or three days that I kind of miss out there. But then what I try to do is on Thursdays will generally be my day off um, because obviously I'm working a wedding and then I've got another three days, et cetera. So I have a day off where I focus on relaxing and also maybe shooting a YouTube video or shooting some content because I actually really enjoy that. So to me, um, it's kind of like, yeah, I kind of find some rest in that as well. Um, but obviously I find more rest in actually resting. <laughs> but I do take, I, I do take those moments to actually, um, really be, um, like intentional about what I'm doing. And sometimes it doesn't work every single week, but I am really intentional about doing both and doing well, but also not allowing them to kind of like, cause I know a lot of photographers who's like, especially in America who do wedding photography and they're so successful, like ridiculously successful where they have like 60,000 followers and whatever just from doing this, but they do 80 hour weeks. And that's not something that I wanted to compromise. I didn't want to compromise, um, life because <laughs> yeah. life is all about work. And as much as I love what I do and I hope it makes a difference to people, it's not like the end all of everything. So I try to, um, get a really good balance of everything essentially so that I've got enough of a social life. I've got enough of me time. I've got enough of time with my husband. I've got enough time for church. Um, and, and my friends and everything. So yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of crazy, but it's nice to actually have a little bit of a balance and, um, a bit of a routine ish. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's this sometimes like crazy association with self-employed people that like, we work these like 12, 13 hour days and we're like these crazy people that want to work all the time. But yeah, I think sometimes you choose to be self-employed because you don't want to work all day every yeah. day and you want to have that balance. It's really odd how that's kind of what people assume is connected. And like you said, it's so it's difficult to take time and relax when you love what you do. I guess yeah. particularly in your aspect and probably maybe not so much the photography side, but when you're talking about building your more personal brand, you you love the content you put out there, you really enjoy it. So it's that question, isn't it, of like how do you actually find time to step back from that but still rest? I don't know if that's a question, but I just think it's a yeah. 
No, I think it's really great. A lot of people, especially as well, I think with Instagram, it can become so consuming that you look at other people's lives and you're like, first you'll look at their, at their Instagram and think that's what their life looks like. And you'll be like, that's what mine should look like. And it's not what theirs looks like. They probably have really bad and they actually have to vacuum their houses too. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think, uh, for me personally, sometimes I tell myself, like, if I'm like, Oh, I didn't post. And today was the day that I was supposed to post. I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm going to have some grace for myself. Like I don't get it right all the time and it's okay to miss a day. And you know, it's just finding that balance of being okay with sometimes not being like not having everything straight away kind of thing. Uh And like you said, and there's that essence of Instagram, isn't it? Where we constantly compare ourselves and feel like we can, sometimes I think if we don't watch ourselves, we begin existing on the app and that's kind of everything for us. And it sounds like you have a really healthy relationship with separating the two. Has that always been that way? Or maybe when you first started growing your account, did it ever become an obsession and something that you found more difficult to kind of take yourself away from? Um, It's really funny because I feel like it's just, it's a constant thing that happens. Like I was even, I follow this girl called HB Goody and she has the most gorgeous, um, like Hawaiian account. I, you know, and I, I am like, if I could pick a place in the world that I would live, it would probably be Hawaii. Uh (laughs) I feel like I'm a Hawaiian girl at heart or California, one of the two. But, um, she mentioned it the other day. She said in her, one of her, um, on one of her posts and she's got like over a hundred thousand followers and she's kind of like, well, I, I still find it hard sometimes to, to look at other people's posts and not feel jealous. Um, so I think it comes like, it doesn't really matter whether you've got a million followers, whether you've got, you know, whatever it may be, because you know what you go through and, um, but you're not, you don't know what they're going through. You only see their highlight reel you, but you see your highlight reel along with all the crappy stuff, you know, um, Mm -hmm. which makes it easy for us to be jealous of other people. But I think it constantly comes in with checking myself. Like, when I'm like, am I, am I really jealous? Like I'm really inspired by all the people that I follow, but there are times when I'm like, Oh, if only I could be doing that. Oh, this is my dream. Oh, I really want to be doing that. And like, I just have to constantly keep checking myself and be like, you know what? Like, this is where I am at the moment. This is where God has placed me. Um, and I have a great life and it comes with taking and being like, uh, (laughs) grateful. I was going to say gracious. I was like, that is not, um, it comes with, like taking the time, I have a gratitude journal that one of my friends gave me from Kiki K. It is super cute and obviously cute. I love Kiki K. <laughs> um, but one of my friends gave it to me and I think it's such a great way to to check yourself and to stay um, like consistent and be like, you know what, I don't have anything to be jealous about because though my life is not perfect, it is a great life. I have things to be grateful for. So I think that's kind of how I constantly keep trying to to check myself and be like, you know what? it's fine. I may not be traveling the world and I might not be in the Maldives right now as much as I might want to, but it's okay because I've got a great husband. I've got, I live in London where a lot of people want to live and want to actually come to, and I've never been here. I've got such a great community of friends and I just keep on encouraging myself in what God has given me and what I've got, you know? So yeah, Yeah, that's such a good mindset, but like you should be so proud of yourself for being so like, yeah, 
I think it's it's easy when you're you have a community on like particularly like you have like eleven thousand followers, right? To get to this place of I know it's so true that like there's always someone that's further along with you and always someone that has like a million more followers or whatever. But I think you can get to this place where it can become it's so easy to get obsessed by it, isn't it? And feel like it's oh, running your life. And like you, you acknowledge when you first answer that question, I think it's something that no one ever has completely nailed. It's the consistent oh. checking yourself and asking yourself those questions. Um, and I'd love to pick your brain for anyone listening. I think with the clients that I work with, all the questions they ever ask me is like, how do I grow on Instagram? How do I use Instagram? And like, you use Instagram for your business really effectively. So tell us a bit more about that. How do you do it? <laughs> so um, I actually did a video of this, haha, shameless um, plug in there, but nice. I did do a video about it. Um, and it's called like the Instagram 2018 algorithm changes. Um, unfortunately, I have this hate-love relationship with Instagram because they keep changing their algorithms. Um, it was so much better at the start when it was just chronological, but now they're targeting businesses and they want money, so it Story changed. of our lives, huh? <laughs> right? I'm kind of like, oh, if only. But, um, but yeah, so what I do with my photography business, I find specific hashtags that really um like targets people that I want to target if that makes sense like so I'll hashtag London wedding photographer hashtag destination wedding photographer hashtag um adventure photographer hashtag Scottish wedding photographer etc places that I want to shoot or places that I'm at that you know whatever um and um yeah so that really that really works I get like I'd say maybe like 70 percent of my work comes from Instagram or 60 percent something like that so I do get quite a bit. Um, if you update your stories constantly, anything that's new that Instagram has released, um, Instagram will push your account if you use their newest features. So stories, obviously, it isn't like ridiculously new, but it is still new enough. And if you hashtag on them or geotag on them, don't go crazy though. But um, if you hashtag, you know, say like, or if you geotag, I don't know, the restaurant that you're in or London or Tower Bridge or whatever, Yours can come up on the London like feed, um, on the places feed. So um, always be doing that. Update your stories at least three to five times a day. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes there are occasional days where I don't do that, but that's okay. Um, so, And then I'd also say, um, yeah, try, try and keep doing the hashtags. Um, post consistently-ish. But the really big thing that I would say that pushes people's accounts much further is interaction. You actually have to interact with people and maybe like make genuine comments on other people's feeds, um, not just like emojis or not just like cool. You know, you want to be like, hey, you have like such beautiful eyes because first of all, people will be encouraged. People will be like, oh my gosh, this person that is so sweet of them and they're going to want to check you out because of that. But it takes you making the first step and taking that time to encourage other people. Um, and then I've gotten quite a few followers just from doing that, um, going on their feeds and commenting on their stuff and liking their stuff because people feel appreciated and everybody wants to feel appreciated and loved. And um, yeah, so that would be the biggest thing I'd say. Like if you if you go on the Explore feed or on your followers um, and start engaging with them at least around half an hour, like maybe like half an hour, 15 minutes before you post, 15 minutes after you post, at least that I know that with more time that you spend on Instagram commenting and engaging with people, the more that they'll push your content. But not everybody, 
not every one of us has an hour to actually spend on Instagram all the time. So half an hour is kind of a reasonable amount of time. So mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'll be sure to link your video in the show notes so people can check it out after they've had a listen to the episode. But I love those tips. Thank you. I feel like every other conversation I'm having at the moment is about the Instagram algorithm because it's yeah. just like slowly killing people off and it's like the <laughs> frustration that everybody has. But We need a new app. If any of your app makes Please make me a new app. <laughs> there I tried, didn't it? But I tried. I tried to get on there, but then eh. didn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. I'm sure someone must be watching all the hate for Instagram, and like, surely someone can just make another Instagram. But exactly. Just do it, people. <laughs> and I think that would be really interesting to see because then people would have to. Everyone would be from zero, and I mm. think that would be really curious. Is everyone start at the same place to actually see what? Yeah, because obviously Instagram's been out so long. I think everyone's kind of in need of a bit of a change, and it's always a good yes. thing. Change is always a good thing, yeah. <laughs> which is great. So I guess kind of on the topic of change, a question I love to ask everyone who's on the podcast, um, because I like to talk about kind of like real life on here, like you've talked about. It's not all beautiful on Instagram like we think it is. We don't all live these perfect lives. Um, was there anything for you? So maybe I, it would be the question of when you were going from being in university and thinking that you were going to pursue this full-time career of photography, was there anything that was like expectation versus reality and that you thought it was going to be this one maybe amazing, beautiful, great thing and then the reality was kind of far from that? Would you have anything that was like yep. that for your business? <laughs> I think we all have like 20, but... <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, uh, I say I have two that are definitely like that I constantly have to kind of remind myself that I'm on the right path, I'm on the right track, that God's put me in the right place. Like with my personal, um, what I, like I've my first ever YouTube video was six years ago, and um, there are times when, and I know I wasn't completely consistent. If I if I would have been posting every week, I think. Perhaps like it could have grown a lot quicker, um, but I think because of the the lack of consistency in my first few years, I'm only like over the past year I've been a lot more consistent with YouTube. Um, but there are times when you're kind of like I've done this for six whole years and it's not where I want it to be. Like you know, like you you dream of having this like kind of life where you're, you know, everybody's taking paying you to go around the world to travel and mm -hmm. I'm not quite at a hundred thousand followers or whatever, you know, and it's, um, and sure that that may be where I want to be, but at the same time, I know God's got me on the right track and I feel like I've learned so much more. Um, so that like, I don't want, I wouldn't want to be this kind of person who, um, if I had, like, I feel like if I had, had, um, gone during that time and like grown super huge, like I wouldn't want it to get to my head. I wouldn't, want to think I'm all that or anything like that because I feel like it's super easy for anybody whose dreams have come true to easily start thinking like oh I'm amazing or whatever and I've never wanted to allow it to get to my head um so I feel like God is teaching me a lot of humility and um yeah we you know so through through a lot of life basically I've learned that it's okay I'm right where I'm supposed to be I just have to keep constantly reminding myself that I'm at where I where I'm supposed to be even though I have started and I've done this for such a long time and then I'd say the other one would be with my photography um I really want to be shooting elopements and adventurous weddings all the time but realistically I don't live in America this is not like 
you know, like it's a super huge thing over in America and it's something that I would absolutely love to do all the time, but elopements are huge here and a lot of people have traditional weddings, which I'm really not into. I really like the untraditional, anything that's not like, if you hire a Ferris wheel for your wedding, I am so in (laughs) that kind of thing, but it's just, it's actually only starting to become a little bit bigger here now to have a slightly more not traditional um, wedding. And I think like, I know that other photographers who have done it the same like time amount of time that I've been doing it are at 60,000 followers shooting their dream weddings around the world in, you know, and sometimes that that can become discouraging. Um, So that's where I'm kind of like, oh, that's not the reality of my life right now. But it's okay because, you know, it's a it's a different market. And um, I think at the same time, like eventually America can become oversaturated with um, this kind of style of weddings. And it's becoming a new thing here, which is always good to be on the, you know, like one of the beginners of mm-hmm. that kind of a new trend kind of thing. So might not be reality for me right away, but I'm learning a lot on the journey. And a lot of the time, it's not about the destination. It's more about the process and who you're becoming. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that's me. Yeah, and I was always thinking when you were saying both of those answers, like running a business is, I think, the most humbling thing you can do because you put ideas out there and you have these dreams and then like it's not at all up to you how that's received or how it works out. And it's there's so many moments in running a business where you just have to be like, sit down, get over yourself, like you're not where you want to be and that's absolutely fine. Um, What helps you in those moments? Because I think particularly for people listening that are starting out in business or are kind of at an earlier stage to you, it can be so easy to get discouraged and to walk away or not stick at it. How do you kind of keep yourself, I don't know if you have setbacks, but when you have those moments of like, oh, I don't know if this is the right thing, how do you keep yourself pressing into that? Um, I would say I 100% have a lot of those moments. But um, two or three of the things that actually really keep me grounded are, first of all, my faith. I personally have faith um, in Jesus, and um, I read a lot of the Bible, and it kind of encourages me in like a lot of a lot of things. Like I kind of posted about it the other day on my personal Instagram. Like I got really discouraged when everybody knows the story of David and Goliath, but um, nobody knows that David for well. Uh, not nobody a lot of people know but it's not it's not commonly known everybody just talks about David and Goliath but it's not really commonly known that after that like David was on the run for so many years before he even became king and I think there are so many stories in the Bible like Jesus didn't even start his ministry till he was 30 I'm 23 and I'm kind of like that's seven years before Jesus even started anything. And Jesus is obviously the most famous person who's ever lived in life. Whether you're a Christian or not, you know that he's, you know, he's done some pretty incredible things in life. And um, so it, it encourages me to read the Bible to remind me that actually it's it's not all about this life right here and that it's okay if I don't have it all together. And whenever I do also kind of like whenever I'm struggling as well, I also have my husband who really helps me and encourages me. And he, he's obviously also a Christian who helps me to go back to the Bible and really kind of like encourage me in that. And also he encourages me and tells me that I'm talented and all the right <laughs> words because husbands do that, don't they? <laughs> so, we need people to say those things. You do. You need people to say those things. So, And then I also have my girlfriends who 
um, who were like girly girls. And when my husband can't be a girly girl for me, (laughs) they encouraged me in that way as well. And kind of, um, so it's really great to have all those three outlets who, who I find really encouraging and actually help help me, um, to just keep going. Cause I feel like a lot of life is, you just have to keep going and keep going and keep going and not giving up no matter how much you feel like giving up, you just have to keep going. And, um, those are the things. Yeah. And I love that all of those are external things. Cause I think often as business owners, we feel this pressure to find everything within ourselves or if there's a problem in your business, you just need to press on harder or like do more work. But actually sometimes we just need to step out of our business and look at it from someone else's perspective or just give ourselves like 10 minutes just to not think about what our next step is or what we're doing. And then almost you come back to it with such a different mindset. Yeah. I think that's what I found yeah, <laughs> in totally. what I'm doing. Um, so I guess to finish the episode off, if you were to leave people with like one thing you wish you could have like told yourself when you first started your business you take that however you want whether it's like your youtube channel your personal brand your blog your photography whichever one you want to go for or all of them um what's like one thing you wish you'd known or one thing you wish you could like go have gone back and told yourself when you first began i'd probably say um don't put so much pressure on yourself you don't have to have it all together and it's okay it's gonna be okay like god is going to take care of your dreams and he he's got them so close to his own heart and you've got these dreams for a reason don't give up on them and um yeah i think those are the things that i admire most about people because every overnight success is not an overnight success like you see them as an overnight success but it's actually years upon years of actual work so i think we can become so discouraged with that so i'd say i tell myself an overnight success is not an overnight success and just keep mm-hmm. going whenever you feel like going at uh, giving up and um because you've got amazing people around you you've got um a guy who cares about your dreams and um yeah so i just keep telling myself keep going don't don't get discouraged don't put pressure on yourself and yeah yeah i think we all need that reminder thank you i was like and like refreshed after that answer I'm like good ready to go so if people want to get connected with you as a result of this episode where's like one place you'd want to push them or like a couple of platforms you'd love them to find you on I'd say definitely Instagram and probably YouTube as well um obviously I've got both Instagrams it's spelled (laughs) Natalie with the Y which is actually a very funny story. My parents were just kind of a little bit lazy, which is why they didn't do the IE because it's an extra syllable in Brazil. Um, That's hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I was born in Brazil and they spell it differently there. So they were kind of like, let's just whack it all off and just put with a Y because that's one less syllable and that'll be easier for us whenever people ask me. Uh, So, but everybody gets really confused about it. So like whenever I say it's Natalie with a Y, they, they, they freak out and they're like, what do you mean it's with a Y? And I'm like, N-A-T-A-L-Y, that's it, people. Nice. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I've got those two outlets, Natalie J Photography and Natalie Jennings. Um, and then I've got Natalie G on YouTube because that was my pre-married name. Nice. Um, yeah, so I'd probably say those those outlets are the ones that they can get in contact with. Yeah, come and check out what we mean by your very different brands, which are like yeah. insanely different looking, but like I love it because it's so you and so, yeah, it's great. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been so fun. Oh, thanks for having me.
So that's it. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. I personally loved hearing more about Natalie's story and what she's learned along the way and what that's looked like. And I hope that you enjoyed listening in to that too. Um, I'm sure that you'll want to go and check out where you can find Natalie online. So be sure to head to the show notes to find all the different links for where you can find her. Uh, and the show notes are at www.alisburnham.co.uk forward slash Natalie. That's Natalie with a Y. So N-A-T-A-L-Y. <laughs> and there you'll find all of Natalie's um, links for her online hangouts. And you'll also get links to what she mentioned in this episode if you're interested. So as always, thank you so much for tuning in. I'd love to hear what you think of the podcast and of this episode so if you're enjoying what you hear please do feel encouraged to leave a review over on itunes um i know a lot of podcast hosts hosts <laughs> a lot of podcast hosts ask for this but it really does mean a lot to know that my little corner of the internet is doing its thing and helping people in their businesses so yeah that's all for today new episodes are going to be up each friday so we'll speak soon